This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Love Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Fence Sider with the PH. Hey guys, Kevin coming to you with another Blog Talk Radio Fence Sider podcast. Uh, Wednesday night. Our normal night, we're back on at 8 o'clock because we managed to get it scheduled on time this time. Not I'm saying we don't do that normally, but it's March 27th, which means we're dead in the middle of free agency and getting close to the NFL draft. It's about a month away. So if you have anything Miami Dolphins on your mind, check us out at the live thread on thefinside.com. Give us a call at 347-326-9461, and you can always hit me up on Twitter at thefinsider. I've got Duke and James on the line with me tonight. Gentlemen, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. A long couple days at work, but hey, we're talking Dolphins, so it's good. Obviously, uh, the big news right now is not actually anything to do with players, but is the fact that Armando last night confirmed that the leaked logo is, in fact, the real logo. And then, I don't know if you guys saw it today, but... I think it was Jared Odrick, but one of the players was actually out wearing a T-shirt with that logo on while doing some sort of charity work for the Dolphins. So uh, apparently that is our new logo, and I know that some fans have issues with it. Some fans really like it. I think it'll grow on people pretty quickly. I think that we're, we're caught up in the I hate change mentality right now of some people, and it will eventually slide back to it's okay. Uh, looking at, we had a fan poll on the site all day today. Uh, if you haven't voted, it's still up there and you can go vote. Right now we're looking at 10% saying they absolutely love it, 45% saying it's good, 9% don't know or don't care, 22% say it's not good, and 11% say they loathe, despise, and hate the thing. So that's probably about what I would have thought, that you're going to look at about 10% on the extremes. You're going to have a majority that actually like it because it is a change and it's getting away from the cartoon one that for years everybody said they hated, but now they're saying that they would prefer to not um, 
prefer to not change it. Uh, and right as I'm doing this, Omar, I think it was, let me check real quick. Yeah, Omar just tweeted out, picture of the new logo is right here on MiamiDolphins.com, and it is a picture of uh, Audric in at a children's hospital wearing the new logo on his T-shirt. So, and also, also, I don't know if you yeah. saw it this morning, but uh, NFL.com in their their draft pick order, they had the new logo, and then I had it. I pulled it up, and it was there. Then about an hour later, it was a blank spot, and then a couple hours later, they put the new logo there. So apparently, somebody at NFL.com screwed up. Yeah, I think I, I think the Dolphins just finally said, "Screw it, let's just let's just go with it." I saw the uh, I saw your tweet about it, and I saw a couple other people tweet that, hey, NFL.com has it up right now, and then it was not there by the time I got to look. So, it's okay. Um, Audric's shirt, it looks really faded out on it, so I'm assuming that that is the look of the shirt, not necessarily the look of the logo. But, uh, oh, Oh, never mind. Go to MiamiDolphins.com right now. It is the logo on MiamiDolphins.com. Looks like we just gave in. If you go to MiamiDolphins.com, the logo is in the upper left of the page. Oh, it sure is. There, and the um, top story on it is Audric's shirt makes news. So, I don't know if Audric wasn't supposed to wear it, but... Everybody else is wearing their jersey, and Audric is wearing the shirt. <laughs> so, apparently, uh, the Dolphins have officially put up. The new logo is out. It is on the Miami Dolphins website right now. So, show sure check it out. Um, it, it's there. So, I guess we are officially unveiling it, even though we're not unveiling it. Um, huh. Well, I'm glad that worked out. That was perfect timing to notice it. <laughs> and Bacon says he freaking loves the new logo. We know Bacon. We've, seen, we've seen you posting that on Twitter all day. So I wonder if uh, NFL.com is going to go back and change the thing they changed back to the thing they didn't change. <laughs> I don't know. That I thought, you know, the, the, the Nike thing I see I can see how that happens. And you know, it's it's impossible to lock down security on probably that much merchandise being moved. But for NFL dot com to screw that up is that's that's pretty pretty bad. I I was talking to you guys before the show and I've seen this lots and lots of places that the logo doesn't it doesn't strike fear in opponents and it's not intimidating and I ask you why do you think our logo is supposed to intimidate anybody? Do you think that somebody's going to be rushing at Ryan Tannehill, look up at his helmet and for some reason not hit him? I, I don't understand this. I mean, is a big G supposed to make the Packers intimidating or a C make the Bears? I mean, they have a bear as their mascot, and yet they put a C on their helmet. I yeah, mean, I mean, I, I don't think it means anything. You've got Ohio State that's got a C for a mascot. I mean, I don't yep. know that is. It's a C pod, but they, you know, they still won championships, so. 
I'm looking at the Dolphins uh, homepage right now, and it's showing a list of our 2013 home opponents. Ravens, Pats, Falcons, Jets, Bills, Panthers, Bengals, and Chargers. And of all of those logos, the only one that looks even remotely like it could be intimidating is the Panthers. Yeah. The Buffalo Bills looks like a buffalo that's getting it's steered. A, yeah, it's a buffalo. Uh, the Bengals is a bee with head. stripes. The Chargers uh-huh. is a curly lightning bolt. The Jets just says the Jets. That strikes fear in anyone's heart. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Falcons looks like a robotic bird. And the Patriots looks like Elvis with a... Um, Patriot hat on. The Raven looks kind of mean, but it's a crow for crying out loud. Um, and so, I saw I saw this a couple of days ago, and I meant to fan shot it, but work has been absolutely horrible this week. Um, the Browns have put in their request to the league to change their logo. And they said right now the only thing that they have put out is they will not consider changing the helmet, but everything else they would consider changing, that their helmet will remain the solid orange helmet that it's always been. Isn't that their logo? Um, their logo now is either a picture of the helmet or it's a football with a um, B in it, I think. I think it's a B for Browns. And they're considering changing that. They said uh, they said that they they won't necessarily confirm that they're going to change it. They've just put in the paperwork to start it. And what was really interesting about this article was it actually breaks down how a logo change happens. There are two options. You have a 24-month option, or I think it was an 18-month option. It might have been 12, but I think it was 18. Um, and the shorter one lets you change things like color. It doesn't let you rebrand your team. It just works on things like color. The longer one, the 24-month process, is actually how you completely rebrand your team. And obviously, that's what the Dolphins went through to do this. So this has been a working process process for two years with the Dolphins. And I just thought it was really interesting to see that how how the NFL does it because when you do the 24 month process it's like six months of it is simply conceptual there's like a nine month process where it's like working fan working group and they talk to fans and figure out what fans would like and then they combine those two and then Nike now and I'm sure it was the same with Reebok previously then Nike puts together three conceptual ideas as actual uniforms and sends those to the team. And the team picks one and they start tweaking from there. So it was kind of interesting that uh, how the league actually goes around deciding what to do. So I'm amazed that the logo is actually up on Dolphins.com right now. For the, we will make an announcement in 30 days to what a week and a half later, it's actually on the site. And I, I think, think I think all I think all these leaks forced their hand. To, they... I think it did. I think uh, I think that it's not really it doesn't really hurt them in the end of this new unveiling because we still haven't seen the uniforms. So they still have an event based on that. 
But I think you're right. I think that Audrey and that all the leagues forced their hand. I'm kind of wondering why Audrey was wearing that shirt. I just really want to know. <laughs> Oops. Was I not supposed to wear this one? What would have happened there? Maybe maybe, maybe when it's Audric, you just let him wear whatever he wants. That's true. Uh, Dan Marino says, saw the Miami Dolphins logo, followed the development stage, and now it's great to see the finished product. New era, new look, thir- number 13 approved. And Don Shula says, glad to see the new logo for at Miami Dolphins. It's all the same colors as our great 70s and 80s team. A new look for a new era. Go Dolphins. Color is changing, but... The teal was never the Dolphins' color. The teal became the Dolphins' color somewhere in the 90s, in 97, when we changed to the cartoon Dolphin that we're getting rid of right now. But the colors are aqua. Aqua is more blue. Teal is more green. So we went away from our original colors. And I'm not saying that Jim Johnson did that, because every time they tweaked things, it became more and more green. And I think that this shift takes it back to where the Dolphins used to be and what their initial color was supposed to be. So I think that does tie into the old. I think um, I think the fact that the sunburst has the different sized rays in it ties back to the old one where we had all the skinny little rays in between the bigger rays. So I think you're starting to see some of it that does tie back into the old logo, and yes, I know people are going to have issues because the, the tail goes up, but it looks right. I mean, I understand the dolphin, if a dolphin is jumping, he typically jumps with his tail down in a curved look. I got it. But the way that they have it angled, the dolphin is swimming up. A dolphin swimming up, his tail is going to be propelling him in an up and down motion. And that's what we have. Now, if you want to go technical, how is the dolphin swimming with the sun behind him? At the same time, when is the dolphin jumping with the sun behind him? I mean, unless it's sunset, at which point you need the water in the picture. The sun is not necessarily behind the dolphin. It's it's part of the emblems. We don't need to be literal about how it works. I mean, if that's the case, let's go back to the ravens. They're a Raven's head. Where's the body? I don't know. Sorry, uh, that was a little soapboxy. I'd, I'd, I'd like to make a bold prediction that um, by the end of the season, Ohio will have begun his uh, new logo tattoo on his other calf. Oh, you're going to go with the tattoo. I was going to go with he'll have at least 10 pieces of swag that he'll, and he'll be trying to give away some of them. Um,. He'll be like, I have this hat, and I'll give it away for, (laughs) yeah. So, okay. Hey, guys. Absolutely. I'm going to put it out on the podcast, and I know, Tex, you're doing your thing. Can we please stop with the homosexual, homophobia-style comments? Okay? I'm seeing comment after comment in the live thread right now have to be hidden because people are using the word gay to describe something. If you don't agree with it, that's great, but we don't need to get into homophobic rants because you think that the logo doesn't look the way it should. So please stop it. 
Yeah, and I prefer not to waste my time handing out uh, warnings like they're um, handy either. Um, I, if, if you are listening, consider this your warning. And we're pretty much good from there. So uh, please cut that out. Thank you. Okay. So sorry to get uh, not happy there. But, um I'm trying to. Re- I'm reading all these things right now as we're talking about the new logo since it is now officially up. So, um, unfortunately, I wanted to be in on it, but unfortunately, I couldn't be. The uh, Mike D and Jeff Ireland held a um, season ticket member conference call today, and I was not available to get into it. So I kind of wanted to see what they were going to say about the logo, but. I, uh, I'm trying to scan right now because the, the Dolphins website has it up, but um, let's see. Oh, there it is. Okay. Uh, for D, this was his chance to update the season ticket members on the progress of the team's bid to strike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, D also addressed pipe over the team's new logo, confirming that the version leaked last week isn't the official logo. You're going to see a lot of the logo around town over the next three or four weeks leading up to the April 25th announcement. I think you saw which I think that date is supposed to be April 18th. I think we're getting confused. I think D did here also. April 25th is the actual draft, isn't it? Isn't that the day the draft starts? Yeah, April 25th is the first round of the draft. I think April 18th is supposed to be the announcement. Yeah, but, April uh, 18th was the original date they had dropped, so... Yeah, I think that's the way it is. I think April 25th is the start of the draft. I think you saw that today with Jared Otter out in the community at a community appearance at Baptist Children's Hospital wearing the new T-shirt. We have lots of player requests, and we're definitely going to blow through the budget of player gear. Uh, the jerseys will hit the racks before the week before the draft, and shirts and hats will be rolling in over the next 30 days. But they won't be able they won't be available to purchase at the official team store until after the official unveil. So if you're looking to get a new jersey, they should start being on the site and in racks the week before the draft. So just to give you that information. But uh, <laughs> take it from a Seahawks fan. People will say this is the worst thing ever. Boycott, boycott, and by week three, three it won't be an issue anymore. It happens anytime a team has a logo or uniform change, you get used to it. So that's true. Everybody, everybody was railing on the Seahawks last year when they changed their jerseys because they uh, they went to that lime green, neon green thing, and people hated that. And by, like, week three, everybody was like, eh, it's not that bad. So, yeah, I think we'll see that. I think we'll see that a lot. But, wow, Sports Logo Net or sportslogos.net did a good job of getting that screenshot and highlighting that the logo was on there of the NFL's uh, it's basically a mock draft generator I don't remember what they call it exactly you go in and you can pick your who you pick each player each team to select for the draft but um, that thing was all over the all over the web within like 30 minutes of them putting it up by mistake of course yep with Twitter and everything else nowadays, you can't. You can't. You can't. Absolutely not. Once it gets and, slipped, it's you're you're out of luck. Especially if you 
actually I find, go online. I find it amazing how fast people find things because it's usually in some small like that, and somebody immediately finds it and goes, "Hey, I've got it." And it's like, "How did you do that so fast? How how did you happen to be on the site at the exact right time to grab that before somebody deleted it?" But. So, dude, what's on your mind tonight since you've been quiet for a while? I'm listening. <laughs> How do you react to the new logo? How would I react to the new logo? Yeah. I kind of like it. Um, I don't know. There's something about it that I just kind of like. You know, I... I mean, I'm kind of with the old school people. I like the you know the old uniforms from back when I was a kid and things. But there's just something about the logo that's just it's simple. It's I like the colors. Uh, I can't really put it into words, but it's like it. And you know, I'm you know I, I wasn't necessarily worried about the logo as long as they didn't make it look um, too silly. You know, like. A dolphin with like muscular arms and a tattoo, smoking a cigar or some garbage like that. You know, it would have been awesome. As long as they well, you know, as long as they didn't make it too bad like that. But I was more worried that they would actually change like a, a color scheme, like you know, come out with you know lime green and brown or some garbage like that. I, you know, I, I've always liked the color scheme. So as long as they change colors, I, I'm cool with it. So I was hoping they were going to go with my Twitter avatar, but I, I, to no avail. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen it yet, check out. Uh, you're at Texas Cowpunk still, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got my name on it, but. So check out James. He's at Texas Cowpunk. You can see his Twitter avatar. It's an awesome logo. I think uh, one thing, and I just saw it scrolling through here. Am I sounding bad again, guys? You're choppy. You're not. I mean, when when it, it's it's in and out. Like now, you're clear, and later you'll get rolling, and it'll be all choppy. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <sighs> I'd like to blame my internet, but I don't know why. So, Beaver, he does have eyes. The 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 actual logo, the logo you you posted is not the correct one. The one that, that we have does have an eye. Um, it's similar, but it has an eye. Uh, I, I was thinking somewhere up here, as I scroll back up and try to find it again, I think it was the B. Bickley, but I'm not 100%. I think the logo will be changed. In a few years, Ross will change the logo again. So that everybody knows, NFL rules say a team can only change its logo once every five years. So for at least the next five years, this is the logo. They cannot change it again for five years. I I don't think that we're going to see it change again in five years, unless it goes to your avatar there, Tex. Yeah. uh, (laughs) They might make an exception for that. They might. It is that Why wouldn't they? And while you're there checking out his avatar, go ahead and give him a push on that little follow button. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but 
<laughs> just stuck on that logo. That logo is awesome. Uh, <laughs> no, I I think that of course part of this is money, and every time a team changes the logo, there's a money aspect involved because they know fans are going to buy it. I do think that we needed a logo change. I think that the Buccaneers needed a logo change when they made theirs. The Patriots, you can go back and forth. I understand why they did it. It modernized a lot of stuff, and it made theirs look better. But if you want to argue and say that their old one was better, I don't have a problem with that either. Um, I think you're starting to see more and more teams go away from the cartoon aspect because as you look through as you look through the old style logos, a lot of them in the late 80s through the 90s did go to a cartoon style. I mean, the Bengals had that cartoon tiger for a while before they changed to the B with the stripes. And uh, some of them still obviously have cartoon style, like the Ravens, um, the Broncos, I'd say that one's a cartoon style instead of the old D that they used to have. But you're starting to see teams go away from that also. So it, it does. It I, Somebody said it, Duke, it might have been you in there, that this puts us into modern NFL logos. And it does. Um, it's not as bad as the whatever that is for the Titans. Just saying. I'm flipping I'm thumbtack. Yeah. I'm scrolling through right now. The intimidation of the SF on the side of the um, 49ers helmets is amazing. And the funny part is everybody argues that why do we have to change our logo? The Packers don't change their logo or the Broncos don't change their logo or Bears don't change their logo. And every single team has changed the logo at least once except for the Texans. The Texans are the only team in the league that has not changed their logo. Because they're fairly new they're a fairly new team. Yeah. And the Jaguars were the other one, but they changed their logo this year. So every team in the league has changed their logo. The Bears changed their logo in seventy four. Sure. It's been a while, but the Bears see in the fifties through to the early seventies, the team didn't have the orange C. They had a bear on the football. That wasn't me. <laughs> I'm claiming whatever just made that come like that.
this logo and forget it fairly quickly. But so now I'm gonna look through the live thread and see if there are any actual questions. Since cornerbacks, even defensive ends, and all that falling because people are gonna. I think people are gonna run. I think the quarterbacks are gonna jump up there because people are gonna reach for them. And I think you're gonna see offensive linemen run. So I think you're gonna see some of those guys fall. I think it depends on who falls though. If you're telling me straight up who do they take I probably say pass pusher, but it would not surprise me to go cornerback. I think I still think Trufant over Rhodes. I think Trufant fits the scheme better in Miami. And then people are going to say that that's a reach. And if you guys saw it, and I never got a chance to post it on the site, uh, in the fourth position on the site, which is the first position under the cover, there is a uh, story stream pinned in there. And all the bloggers, all the NFL bloggers, were doing a mock draft acting as our teams. So when it got to me at the Dolphins, I took Trufant with that pick. And I know we talked about this last week and on the uh, Google Hangout, and you and uh, Keith Duke were questioning me about it. And you guys knew who I picked just because I said I didn't take Tavon Austin. But uh, that even, they, they described when mocking the draft posted my pick – they even described it as the first surprise of the draft. But I, do, I think that Trufant could be the right guy because I think he fits the scheme better. I think he is he is he's more an all-around type cornerback that plays the zone well, whereas Rhodes is more of a man-to-man press type guy. And I think that the Dolphins are trying to go to a zone. I think. So that that's my thought. I think it could be Trufant. I think it could be a pass rusher. And Beaver put up Eifert and Duke, you said very, very, very possible. I think that is a great point, too. He is on the board. If he's on the board sitting there, and he should be, I think the Dolphins could consider it because, obviously, Dustin Keller's only on a one-year contract. Um, you're going to see some things – I think you're going to see some things in there that could throw a curveball, and I think the Dolphins could be the first team to throw the curveball in the draft. So, Duke, thoughts since you asked the question? Thoughts on who we should draft? Is that what you're asking? Or about any particular prospect? No, uh, on that question. Well... I think it depends on how they view the cornerbacks. I think that's our biggest need at the moment. It depends on how they, uh, on where they rate them on the board. Um, they did sign Lance Lewis today, so he that might rule out a a Jonathan Cooper pick. Which I know if if, if Goodell goes to the podium and calls Jonathan Cooper out for the Dolphins, that there might be a revolt. But um, he would be a very excellent pick. Um, but I think it was Jeff Darlington said right around 
at the beginning of free agency that 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 the Dolphin he he had heard caught some wind of some Dolphins draft plans and thought they were extremely interesting. So uh, I think that could mean a number of routes. Um, I think we worked out or without the pro day for Kenny Vaccaro this week. Um, there's been some stuff on Twitter about um, Eifert maybe going as high as 13 to the uh, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I think. Those are a couple of guys that are kind of wild cards at this moment. Um, <laughs> excuse me. I know that um, I've read that the team was very high on Gavin Escobar, but you know who knows what they're really thinking at this point. That could be a smokescreen. So, I for just kind of a dark horse pick. I'm not a real big fan of, of drafting a tight end at 12 unless he's an elite tight end prospect. I mean, I think Eifert is a good prospect. I don't think he's necessarily an elite. Uh, tight end prospects. When I think of an elite tight end prospect, I think of somebody like Vernon Davis, who had, you know, a blazing fast forty time, extremely athletic, good size, and everything. So, but I mean, it's whatever. I mean, if he's a late, if he's like a mid, mid teen, early twenty draft pick, it's not really a reach in my opinion. Um, so, uh, I think that would be an intriguing, intriguing pick for them. Um, they can run two tight end sets with. With Eifert and Keller, and give defenses uh, fits that way. Um, a lot of people are, are talking about Taylor Austin, but I, I don't know <clears throat> if he's really going to be. If we're really going to be at him because Jeff Island did say he's going to stick to his 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 thing about prototypical size and stuff like that. So, um, <clears throat> what I'm really interested in seeing, I haven't read anything up to now, is that what happened at USC's pro day. And see what happened with Robert Woods. I think he's a guy that would fit our offense well, um, and has all all the skills that we would require from a guy who's playing the slot or the outside. So, you know, I was talking with Keith the other day, and, and at this point, we really don't know who our draft pick is going to be. I mean, at this time last year, we had it narrowed down to I think you know four to five players. Uh, right now, I could I could name you know, 10 or 12 players that the Dolphins could have their eye on for that first-round pick. So it's just so up in the air because we addressed a lot of stuff in free agency. But we still have needs, so talk to anybody when we got to the podium and said that. This year, I I just don't know. It's weird going into the draft not thinking quarterback first. Um, Keith, I know you're on the line, and I'll turn over to you your thoughts on the draft, but before you do, I wanted to share this with you because I know this is important for you, important to you. And James posted in the live thread that it's like Christmas time in March. Omar Kelly tweeted out, seriously folks, I'm going to be retiring from court for a little while until all logo talk dies down. I really can't take it anymore. He followed that up with deuces till we meet again. So I know you will like that, Keith. How are you tonight? I'm good. I'm lurking. Uh, you are lurking. You're lurking very well. Um, I don't know if you heard it or if you've noticed, but if you go to MiamiDolphins.com or Dolphins.com, the logo is on the website now. It is. As soon as you get it there, it's in the upper left corner as the logo of the Dolphins. Well, give them credit for owning it and instead of just fighting it for the next next month, just pretty much coming out and saying, all right, you got us. 
we, we talked about this. I think part of it is, yeah, it leaked and people caught on to it. Um, and then Jared Oswick wore it out today. I saw that. So I think that at some point you have to go, okay, yeah, that's it. But they're still planning to do the unveil of the uniforms. I think they've moved it now because reading through there, it sounds like they're going to do it as part of the draft party on the 25th, so move it back a week. But, yeah, the official logo is out now. Yeah, uh, a lot of people think that they're they're doing that on – well, I mean, the initial thought was they're, they're going to debut it during the draft, so it almost takes some attention away from it just in case people were – like right now. I mean, you saw the, the reaction from some people, and I I like it. I like the logo, and I was fine with the, the initial one that, that leaked right after Christmas. I didn't really. Yeah. I mean, that, I didn't want that to be the permanent one, but I didn't. Have, I didn't hate it. I didn't have a problem with it. So, um, now, uh, now we get to see what the the uniforms look like. And I mean, I know James put up that that sort of uh, prototype sketch up on uh, one of the threads last night. I have no idea how close that that is to accurate, but um, I'm excited. To be honest with you. It took me it took me a while to to like the last logo we had, you know. I think I was I was right around 13 years old when they changed that thing. I remember at the time I just thought like it looks ridiculous, and then after all you forget that they even changed it. I mean, this one's a little bit more uh, noticeable. I mean, it's it's certainly a, a more augmented design, but I'm all for it. I like the fact that they're. I hope they get away from those drop drop shadow numbers. I hate them so much. It's been the bane of my existence for like the last 15 years. <laughs> that is one of the first things you always talk about when it comes to the uniform. How much well, you hate those. They came out with those. I remember yep. the first, because I mean, like that—that that was when I think of like the the mid '90s in the NFL. I think about teams using using it. It, it looked okay on some. I think one of the first teams I can remember using it was San Francisco. Had drop shadow. On their on their uniform, they and I think they had that the year they went to the Super Bowl, which would have been the '94 season. And all of a sudden, we had it, and it looked ridiculous. I hated it. I still hate it. So Dolphins hopefully, get rid of it. Now also has the new logo as their emblem. So just so you know, apparently they are working on the rebranding right now. Um. <laughs> Sorry, I have, a, I have a conversation apparently going on on Twitter right now with Gang Green Nation. They they did a post today on what would happen if Chad Pennington had never gotten hurt. And I wrote back, the Dolphins would be awesome. Oh, you mean when he was with the Jets? They just wrote back and said, we don't, we don't, or uh, you mean the Dark Ages. We don't speak about those times. <laughs> Oh boy! I, I like the guys over at Game Green Nation. I have some fun with them. So. Well, did you see some of, some of the stuff on Twitter today about how uh, it, it was like a they did like one of those fake uh, text cell phone text conversations, and it's the Jets sending Matt Barkley a text saying, "Hey, good luck at your pro day. Uh, if you if you perform the way we think you will, uh, we might draft you." And Matt Barkley's like, "Oh, uh, Matt Barkley died." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Yep, you better take Dino Smith." He's like, "Just remember, April 
fifth. Man, probably dead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> somebody, somebody turns into the car. Barkley and the Jets are in their war room laughing. <laughs> they don't know he's dead. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you walk out there and they're like, oh, what? I mean, there's a lot of good anti-Jet stuff up on Twitter. I have to say, some some of the stuff I found just in the last week, fantastic. Uh, I, I've already talked about the they had the Mark Sanchez Madden controller, and it's like an Xbox controller, and it points to all the buttons, and it like the it's one of those uh, team controllers, right? It has little go on it, and it's a, it's a Jets controller. It says every uh, every button is interception, and then <laughs> and, and then the the sticks are butt fumble. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. I saw the one today where they, where they were making fun of uh, uh, the, the whole Barkley thing. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> bringing it back a little bit, Keith, we're asked, do the Dolphins go cornerback or defensive end with that 12th pick? So what are your thoughts there? And then Beaver 3 and Eifert is an option also. Um, I'm hearing some stuff about how there might be interest in the Dallas Cowboys trading up for Kenny Vaccaro. Uh, if we want Eifert, I would trade down to 18. Or, yeah, 18, because that's where bad. I would trade down to 18. I'm fairly certain Eifert would still be available there. He probably I, would I, know, be. I know some people think he can go to I, – I, some people have said Tampa. Tampa's got some got some serious issues in the secondary to work out. I think Tampa if – we, if we go corner, Tampa's taking the other corner, whichever one we don't take. I agree. I think, and, I think they go corner. And I think Xavier Rhodes is a Shiano-type guy. I think that he'll buy into it because I mean, we watch. I put up that that one video of Xavier Rhodes the other night. You see, like he manhandles receivers. I mean, he gets he's got like thirty three and three quarter inch arms, or I mean, some ridiculous length for a for a corner. And I mean, like he gets. He, I mean, he he's able to extend on these receivers, and he just drives them right out of the play. So I, I think that it's quite likely that team is going to take him, unless you know, I'll pass over Pauls or. If if uh, Lotus Lele falls, I I think that they would be hard pressed to pass on him. I think the idea of Lotus Lele playing next to Gerald McCoy is is uh, an interesting one. So um, if we, if we trade down, then I'm all for Eifert. I mean, I, Eifert played with a a mediocre quarterback at Notre Dame, and honestly, he played on an offense that was not very good, and. I mean, the thing is, and people will look at his numbers this year and say, well, I mean, he didn't even really produce that much until later on. I was like, well, it, Notre Dame's still in the ball. I know I live in Notre Dame country. I mean, everyone around here on Saturdays wears their, their, their Notre Dame shirts and their stupid turtle knives. It's ridiculous. But, I mean, if anything's going on with Notre Dame, you're going to know about it if you live in this region. And I, I have to say that I watch Iver play, and I think he's I think he's a stud. I do think Tom uh, Pound is probably the best tight end in this draft. I wish he was a better blocker. I think that's some of the appeal uh, in terms of a guy like Gavin Escobar, because I think Escobar's a, a, a pretty good blocker. He's not a, a knockout guy. But um, And if we stayed at 12, it depends who's there. I mean, who I mean, who falls to us at that at that point, and do, do they fit what we want to do as a, as a hybrid 
uh, hybrid team at the the line of scrimmage? Uh, or are we looking for like a perimeter guy? I I don't think Trufant is going to be a reach at at twelve. Really resent that word uh, for guys who are mid first round picks. I mean, are we overdrafting him a bit? Perhaps, but is he worth that pick? I think he is. And Duke and I talked about this uh, a couple nights ago. Uh, we technically overdrafted Ryan Tannehill. And, I mean, was Carolina going to take him? No. And then uh, the team after that, Buffalo? I don't think so. But, I mean, after that, you you look at it, Kansas City could have. Uh, Seattle was a candidate to take him. So, and you could make the case that Ryan Tannehill should have been the number three pick. I mean, some people might like Trent Richardson, but are you going to take Trent Richardson or are you going to take a franchise quarterback? I mean, that's something you have to consider. So, uh, what, does it really matter if you're drafting a guy three or four spots higher than he should go? I mean, and it, it turns no. into Russian roulette. Imagine last year, we're like, well, we can't draft it. Ryan Tannehill at eight. That sounds ridiculous. Let's trade down to, let's trade down to twelve or something. Let's trade down to thirteen, and then we we let it ride, and then the Chiefs take him. Was it worth it? Probably not. Um, I'm reading through some of the posts right now, and Bickley, B. Bickley, posted three questions. Uh, first one is Dwight Freeney. Now that he is the best DN on the market, in case you guys didn't hear anybody listening, OCU Manora signed today with the Falcons. So, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Uh, now that Dwight Freeney is the best DN left on the market, do you think Miami makes an attempt to sign him before the draft, or do you think we just draft somebody? I think we probably uh, shoot to to build, with, you know, uh, from the draft. I mean, Dwight Freeney's been in the league since I was in high school, so. I mean, I'm not saying you can't play at a high level, but I mean, this is a team that's young, and I mean, I, I'm not sure if stop gaps really really play into it that much. And as weird as it, as it seems, Troy Freeney is approaching stop gap uh, yeah. territory. Oh, absolutely. So I, I, I just think you got you got a young team, you got a really young defense. Um, or I say younger defense, uh, really really young in the secondary. So I mean. If you're, if you're gonna if you're gonna look to to get a knockout pass rusher, uh, you know a guy who makes a lot of sense is is Duke's guy Dayton Jones. He's another guy where if, if we trade down and we really get greedy, as if we don't have enough picks in this draft, if we start trading down and we get that guy. I mean, he's a house. I think he he's a, he plays in like the two eighty two eighty five range. I mean that's destructive, and I mean you're talking about a guy who. Um, who could pair with Cameron Wake playing at that weight? I mean, that's something I'd like to see. And, and there, I mean, there's and, some saying that he's he's possibly a five tech, so he's a big guy. He's I mean he I mean there are plenty of defensive ends in this league. I mean who you could say ah uh, maybe they're a five tech. I mean he, if you're playing at two eighty five in, in the two two eighty five range, you're definitely uh, approaching. I would say like comfortably a three tech should be in right around or I'm sorry a five tech. Uh, should be right or you know, if you're a five tech and 285, 290, you really want to get as close to that 300 range as possible. Then because I mean, a lot of those guys are treated like glorified blocking dummies. Did you say five tech or three tech? Five tech. Oh, thank God, because I I got halfway through that <laughs> and then I got all I got all jumbled. And I, was, I was like, wait a minute, did I hear him right? No, no, no. For a five tech. Uh, um, I, I don't doubt that. I think that he can really hold his own at the line of scrimmage. Uh, he holds the point of attack real well. 
So I can certainly see that. He's the kind of guy where when we drafted Philip Merling, I think we were hoping to get a Dayton Jones type of, of uh, uh, size and ability out of him. You know, the only problem is that we made Merling gain, what, like 20 pounds yep. or something, and he's already big. I mean, it, it's 280. I think he was right in the, like, 275, 280 range when we brought him in. So, uh, yeah, there's some guys in here who are 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 – Certainly flexible. I mean, Latu Lele can play pretty much any position inside, and there are some teams who, I mean, he's athletic enough where if you want, you can want to give him some weird looks, you can put him out at five pack and just say, you know, get after it. So, um, I like Dayton Jones. I like him a lot. And there's a lot of uh, intriguing hybrid type guys in this draft. So, I, I don't know if we take him at twelve. Uh, a lot of people are gun shy on Anza. They are. Um, I want to address. Yeah. I want to address question two because I think it ties into question one. He said he's not watched past the draft. How did LSU and USC Pro days go? I mentioned Robert Woods. Um, he's a guy I would like to see. I think he would fit our offense really well. He'd be a good player here. Uh, he talked about Matt Barkley. Um, I think it was Omar was talking about. Apparently, Jeff Island said something in a press conference about you know maybe looking at quarterbacks, and he's saying, "What if Matt Barkley's there in the second round?" I think that's all nonsense, but whatever. But the real point he mentioned Sam Montgomery, and this was a guy that people had pegged as a top five pick uh, at the beginning of the season, and now has fallen to the point that he could be a third round pick. Um, I think that uh, if he's there in the third round, I think Miami would would, would Draft him. Um, so he's a guy that I think we could end up we could end up with and not not get in the first round. A guy who has first round talent but has other issues. But at that point in the third round, you're getting kind of a, a bargain on him. So yeah, it's uh, there's so many there's so many ways we could go with that number twelve pick. Uh, and, and the question of whether we're even going to be drafting at number twelve or if we we. Did, we choose to to move down. I don't know. I I, I like Trufant, Trufant a lot. I think that uh, everything I've seen out of uh, Kevin Coyle's tendencies as a defensive coordinator suggests that he would get a ton of mileage out of a guy like Desmond Trufant. So, I mean, we like him. We've talked about that uh, ad nauseum, I'm sure. But, I mean, it bears repeating. I mean, the guy is incredibly flexible. He could probably play in any scheme you want. A lot of people claim that they don't see him uh, as a press-type guy, but I think that he's got the upper body strength and uh, length to be able to jam pretty well. Uh, I, I don't see him failing in, in that in that scheme. But, I mean, he's the kind of guy where if you, if you, if you want to work him in zone, yeah, I think he'd be an outstanding zone corner. thing is, you know, you think about oh. <laughs> Gosh, that's the old insider's music. Uh- Apparently the show started over. I don't know what just happened right there. Wow. Look at your board, Look at your board Kevin. I am. I was looking at it, and then all of a sudden the music started playing. What did you do, man? I didn't do anything. <laughs> Apparently we're going to start the show over, though. But so since we have a break in now, I'll go ahead and bring Dolphin for Life onto the show. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Welcome to the show. 
Um, well, you know me, I always got a question or two and um but uh, it seemed like last year we drafted based on need in the first and then we kind of just drafted for this year after that, you know, because, you know, you have Lamar Miller replacing Reggie Bush, everything else um, just kind of falling into place. you got Martin moving over to the left side, all that other stuff. Do you think we follow that route this draft and – what are some defensive tackles in, like, rounds two through four that we could be looking at? Um, and also, like, safeties because, you know, Clemens was signed to a one-year contract and all that stuff. Like, who do you I, see us looking at? I think the goal this year for Ireland is to set this draft up to be best player available throughout the whole week. And obviously we, we picked up a guard today, but we still have a hole at tackle and we still have a hole at cornerback or two holes at cornerback maybe. I think that you, you'll you see the team try to stick to best player available. So even if it's maybe not a need, we're going to pick somebody who brings the talent to the team. I think you're right. I think safety is going to be something that the team addresses. I don't want to say early in the draft because I I don't want to say it's a first or second round pick necessarily, but it could be a third, fourth, fifth round pick to try to have somebody back there to develop. And then I go back to this and Keith will laugh at me because I bring this up all the time, but Jimmy Wilson is a guy that the team wants to develop as a safety. So they can get a cornerback that frees him up to go back to work as a safety. Maybe they don't address safety and just let this be what last year was supposed to be, his developmental year as a safety. So there's a couple things they could do there. Uh, Guys, I'll go ahead and jump in on this. Keith, Duke, whatever you guys want to talk about, D-tackles, safeties, or whatever. Oh man! Uh, did you say <laughs> offense? Did you say offensive or defensive tackles? Defensive tackles. Uh, I I've seen a lot of people suggest that uh, we could take a defensive tackle at twelve. I don't know why. I, I think that uh, some people are really into the idea of like a Sheldon Richardson type, into and just getting like a a guy who can really rush the passer for, from that spot. I think that if we're if we're in the second round. Um, what, what what's going on here? Uh, I don't know. That's that's because it's a deeper position. But the thing, in, in my mind, a lot of the a lot of the defensive tackles who who could get to the the second round are um, I don't know if they really. Fit. I think that we we have two guys right now who do uh, or possess that sort of skill set that kind of like almost like a tweener. Like a one technique, a threat a technique. One of those guys, uh, and we have two of them right now. And I don't think we're going to hang on to them forever. In fact, you know, we could we could be done with Paul Filiai uh, sooner rather than later, for all I know. So um, that's a tricky one. 
I know we're spending like on the upwards of like sixteen million on it, and I know we drafted that one guy in the seventh round last year. Yeah, Kevin Randall. Kevin Randall. Yeah, and um, I always have a problem remembering his name for some odd reason. But you know, we drafted him. I think you know they look at him kind of like in the sly role or whatever. But I just you know I have this feeling that we're going to try and limit that cost up front because we spent a lot of money this year and really the money doesn't hit till next year and both contracts are up so I mean are there any interesting names in free agency maybe next year or to be honest with you I don't know if I've really looked much in I think defensive tackle is the position I've looked into the least out of any in this draft aside from quarterback I mean, we we even talked about running backs, uh, maybe even like a linebacker or two at some point in terms of depth. But uh, and like I'm sure I'm incredibly familiar with with a lot of the top shelf guys. But in terms of um, the guys who who could fall until two rounds two and three, I'm not well versed uh, actually in some of these guys as a uh, compared to um, some other positions. So. I don't know, it's something where, you know, we have so many picks in this draft that, I mean, at one point, if, if there's a guy, and, I mean, he he really constitutes the best player available at the defensive tackle position, then he, I think we'll absolutely consider him. I wouldn't be shocked if we took one at 12. I mean, I, that's not the most popular pick right now, considering like, we do have considerable personnel at that position. But anything can happen. And um, another question I had was the tight end position. Okay, we have um, – oh, boy, we just signed. Then we have Clay. Then we have Agnew, which pretty much nobody likes, and he might be gone. But the one that I don't hear really about is the fourth one, the one that we got last year, Kyle Miller, I think, or something. Yeah, is there anything Kyle Miller. There? Or, I mean, has the staff mentioned anything about liking him or maybe he can be somebody to develop behind? I um, think he's. I think that's exactly what he is. He's, he's pure developmental. Um, don't expect a lot out of him. Um, he's behind Agnew on the depth chart, so take that for what it's worth. Um, and, yeah, I, th- I think he's there. Um, I don't think he'll he, – he could probably be a a guy that sees a little playing time so that way he gets a chance to get into the NFL and get up to speed. But I don't think you're going to see anything out of him. So basically he's the 7-11 of the tight end position? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. yeah. The Chris Hogan. He's the Chris Hogan of tight end. All right. Um, I believe uh, – I had one more question, and I know I end up talking a lot when we get on here. But um, <laughs> no, 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 as far please, as, take your time. Take your time. As far as like running backs go, I mean, first off, I live in Tennessee. My mom works for Vanderbilt, so I kind of have to 
my heart is with the Hurricanes, but I have to like what they're doing over at Vanderbilt because you know they have uh, Jordan Rogers, and they had another running back this year who did fairly well. Um, he's actually entering the draft, Zach Stacy. Um, he's anywhere between a fifth to seventh round pick. Um, he's not that burner type. He, he's more like what Daniel Thomas should have been, except he has had a couple injuries. Um, how do y'all think he would fit? That's a lot of good things about the next two. So, I mean, I think that anywhere from the, the fourth to the seventh range is, is fair game in terms of the running back position. I've seen some guys have uh, that have us taking a running back as high as uh, early in the third. So I think that I mean that's great value. I mean if you're looking at Zach Stacy type uh, with like a fifth round pick, or I mean if he makes it to the seventh round, if, if he's all the way down there, I mean yeah, because anything we can find as a compliment to Lamar Miller would be fantastic. I mean I think that should be the goal right now. I mean Lamar Miller is built. Uh, for the long haul, but I'd rather not run him into the ground. You don't want to. You don't want to be Dave Wanstat. No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> well, that's what we, I mean. We've talked about like Niall Davis. Uh, who? I mean, these these one cut guys who are I mean are just unreal. I don't know who you're talking about. You do know Niall Davis. About. Oh, Kanial <laughs> Davis. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we uh, like the we like the silent K's. <laughs> I mean, I guess I do have one last one. What's okay. up with everybody's fascination with pass rush? I mean, we got two linebackers that can pass rush. Starks can get four and a half to five sacks in a season. Um, Audric he can get four and a half sacks in a season. We've got. I mean, it, it's just I, I I don't understand why we need 80 pass rushers on the team. Um, because you have, have to get the quarterback. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Look at look at what the Giants did with 8,000 different pass rushers, and that's why. Just like everybody's trying to mimic the Patriots with tight ends, people want to mimic the Giants with pass rushers. And I know that we, we look at the – at Ellerby and at Wheeler, and they can be great pass-rushing um, linebackers, but we're not a linebacker pass-rushing team. Will they blitz? Will they get in there? Sure. I'm not saying that we won't see them get in there, but we're a 4-3 team. They need to be able to cover tight ends and help in coverage and stop the run. We need to make sure that we have somebody on the opposite side of Cam Wake who is getting – to the quarterback so that the team can't simply shift the offensive line against Cameron Wake every single down. And that's what you see him do. I mean, Wake was fighting through double and triple teams at times last year and still able to get to the quarterback. But if you have somebody on the opposite side that at least can threaten on every play, then you're going to see um, you're going to see uh, Wake – get freed up more often simply because they have to consider which way does the running back go to chip block, which way, or do we hold the tight end in, in order to block somebody extra 
things like that. And that, that's why everybody's worried about pass rush is because while we do have pass rushing linebackers now, if we're blitzing them on every single play, who's covering the tight end? And when Gronkowski's running down the middle of the field with nobody covering him, we're all going to be tipped off. Uh, which, I mean, I understand everybody's trying to be like the Patriots with the tight ends, but I'd rather be like San Francisco with theirs because at least, I mean, they're on the field like 16 games a season. And Gronk, he's good, he's great when he's on the field, but he spent the last couple of seasons with injuries. Aaron Hernandez twisted his ankle. Um, I, I mean, well, I guess it's kind of a little biasness. I really don't want to do anything that Belichick does, you know, because, well, I just don't like him because <laughs> he's in the AFC East and he's trying <laughs> to beat him. But, you know, I mean, I, I kind of see the Dolphins more mimicking San Francisco with their 49er situation. I mean, they had uh they're Vernon Davis and then they had what the hell was his name? I wanted to sign him. Uh Delaney Walker. What was his name? Delaney Walker. Uh yeah. But um but I mean to me that would be a better fit because now we've got the speed and then we have the the one cut, the two cut, the three cut. We don't really need the two tight end sets because we can run a lot of you know, we don't really need the two tight end sets because we have four receivers that can get on the field. Plus, I really like the guy we got last year in the seventh round, and I don't know why I never remember the seventh rounders' names. But um, maybe, yeah, Matthews. Yeah, Rashard Matthews. I really like him as a developmental player. I think he could probably be what. I like about Robert Woods already on the team. Um, but I just, I don't know. To go back to the original point about the the pass rushers, I, I, I just, I like Vernon. I see, I saw him last year. He got like, what was it, three, maybe four sacks? Or three and a half. But, um, I mean, I think he's going to be something better because he's actually working with Cam Lake and, you know, typically guys that come from the U end up being a beast down the road. And I think really it'd be a wasted pick, especially at 12, when you basically have no one at right tackle. We just signed that guard, thank God. Oh, I really wanted Cooper, or whatever the heck his name is, the guard from UNC, and cornerback. I like Patterson a lot more than most. Do I think he's worth five million? Probably not, but I think he's going to earn it. It just depends on whether you're going to see the Dimitri Patterson of like the last couple of years, or you're going to see. To Dimitri Patterson when he was with the Eagles and got like five interceptions. And I don't like Richard Marshall as anything other than a slot guy. Um, and I mean, I don't, I just can't put defensive end above 
cornerback when you have like maybe one guy that you like there and one guy that's him or an offensive tackle that, you know, I, I understand no, not another O-line in round one, but the last two that we picked in the first round that we picked that we didn't sign from another team, one is a multi-year pro bowler that just went to the Rams, and the other one pretty much won't get there until his brother retires. But, you know, that's besides the point. I still think he's better. Um, I just know you want to give Tannehill a chance to get to his weapons. You want to get him a chance to, you know, not have to throw on his ass or on the run all the time. Why defensive end when it's just, I don't know. I think, uh, I, I think I, I, I agree to some point. I mean, yes, but, what what you're trying what you're saying is that if you see a player that is graded higher sitting there, why would we then go after D end instead of going after the higher graded player? And the issue is we don't know what the grades are. If the Dolphins are grading that cornerback higher than Cooper or whoever else it is, then they could be making that pick exactly for that reason and we just don't know it. To us, it looks this way. And, I mean, um, what was it? It was Nick Shea, I think, who just a couple weeks ago did a series of tweets on his grades of the quarterbacks, of first-round graded quarterbacks over the past few years. And he even admitted, he goes, look, the grades were way off. Some of these guys I never would have thought were first-rounders. Some of these guys were surefire first-rounders, and they flopped. And that, Blaine Gabbert. Say again? Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Clausen. Um, oh, no, but, don't. <laughs> but Dolphin Fan for Life, thank you for calling in. I've got another caller, so thank you very much for calling in. And Dolphin Fan for Life, before you go, I'll, I'll give you a couple of names to look for that they think to tackle. They could be second-round guys. Um, one guy that could fall to the second round is Sylvester Williams. Another guy about the name on is Kawan Short from Purdue. If he's there in the second round and we take him, you're getting a, 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 a first-round caliber player. So those are some those are some names that could sneak into the second round. Uh, well, I, did know, I did know the, some of the uh, fringe second-round defensive tackles. It's just... The funny thing is, I keep reading that Sylvester Williams is just an outstanding talent. I feel like he's like the redhead stepchild in this draft. Because, I mean, like, he just gets overlooked by everyone. I mean, don't, you don't see him, you don't see many mocks with him in the first round, yet you'll read that he's like one of the three or four best defensive tackles in this class. So it's kind of a bizarre situation with him. And I totally forgot about Quan Short. Good old Purdue. With that pause, I'll go ahead and bring Be Serious into the show. Brian, how are you tonight? What's going on, Kev? Not much. What's on your mind? Um, a lot. I guess there's a lot of dolphin news and uh, <laughs> kind of working away. So I don't know where to start, man. What uh, what have we been talking about? Uh, logo, um, draft possibilities, pass rushers, whatever. So where to start, right? Yep. 
<laughs> Fair enough. Um, all right, well, I guess I'll, uh, I can second on uh, what Dolphin Fans for Life was talking about. You know, I, I have to agree with a lot of what he was saying, but the more and more I think of the draft, the more and more I come to terms that I really do have no idea what we're going to do in the month. <laughs> I mean, if you think about the last couple moves that we've made, I mean, from Ellerby to Wheeler and even signing a guy like Lewis today, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, I mean, we are in-depth with all the stuff that goes on, and I didn't see any of those things coming. So Ireland has said before that, you know, he uh, he's not afraid to take risks. I mean, you think of his job as boss to the wall anyway, you know, he's going to give it all he's got because if it doesn't work out more than likely he's gone anyway so I mean I feel like we could do something at 12 that people are going to just say what and you know I'm not sure so I don't know what you guys think you know I, I agree with uh, most of the mock drafts that we're putting out you know I think it's starting to get a little bit better of the direction we're heading as time progresses and free agency fills out as far as like the true fonts and the roads I think it makes the most sense, but I feel like April's going to come around and we're going to do something that might not make sense, but it might, you know, work out for us. So I don't know if you have any input on that. I think you're right. I think, uh, I think it comes down to, like, like I said a little while ago, the Dolphins could very easily be the team that throws the first curveball that everybody sees them. Okay. They're going to take a tight end or they're going to take a defensive end or they're going to take a cornerback. And suddenly we're drafting, a defensive tackle that everybody's going, yeah. wait, what just happened? So I think I think you could. You could see the Dolphins throw that curveball. But, Keith, what were you going to say? Uh, the way I look at it, and there's definitely a point where you think, yeah, there's a lot of surprises. There's a lot of curveballs we could throw at 12. But I keep coming back to the fact that uh, we're, we're somewhat familiar with how Jeff Ireland grades players in terms of the draft, but we've seen him do it enough where we kind of have a decent feel for it. Who who out there is going to have a higher grade than Jonathan Cooper at that 12 spot in Jeff Ireland's mm-hmm. world? D. Milliner. Maybe Warmack? Maybe. I think Cooper yeah, I mean, might be a I better think... fit, but I think Warmack is just a better overall graded prospect. I mean, I've seen... I'm, I don't really watch too much interior linemen from the college ball, but Warmack has, you know, had grades from a lot of top scouts of being the most complete guard since, you know, uh, since a him. while. Yeah, um, that's the word, that's the name I was thinking of. So, I mean, Cooper's, I think, would be good in our system, but, I mean, especially with this Lewis signing, it's more of a depth. I mean, if Cooper's on the, the board, I don't see it, but like I said, you know, who who really knows what might happen. Well, the the reason I bring up Cooper, and I also agree that I think that Warmack's probably the higher-rated prospect, but I, I have a hard time believing that someone can draft Jonathan Martin as a tackle and then draft Chance Warmack as a guard. That, that, seems, that seems a little bit foreign to me because I find that those guys are completely different schemes. And Warmack's the kind of guy where he'll probably be successful regardless. But, we, I mean, we saw that, you know, not the most fleet-footed guy out there. You know, I yeah. think one area where Cooper really excels is, I mean, we've wa- we watched a little bit of his tape earlier this week. I mean, he gets down to the second level, and he just drops linebackers. And he gets to them fast. It's not something where where he's, where 
a, a linebacker's meeting Jonathan Cooper while he's getting out into the second level is Jonathan Cooper's getting out there and he's taking that guy out. I mean, he he eliminates him from the play. So I mean, yeah. there's a, I have a hard time thinking of a guy who's going to have a higher rating than, than Cooper at that 12. So I think that Lane Johnson might. But I mean, we this is another thing we talked about. Lane Johnson's such a prototypical left tackle that I feel like it'd almost be criminal to make that guy a right tackle. I mean, keep Jonathan Martin and right, you know. Yeah, but I I don't really like Jonathan Martin's skills as a right tackle. I think that they brought him in, and, you know, as a way to uh, see what he could do, get him reps. But I think he's a finesse left tackle. He's absolutely a, a zone blocker on the left side. Uh, I mean, that could change. I mean, if he if he adds strength to his lower base and he really uh, develops that anchor uh, against some of the, the heavier rushers out there, then I mean, that's definitely a consideration that he could probably stay on the right side if he has that lower base developed. Because, I mean, that was the thing that, I mean, at times last season, like, he just, he really struggled to to really take that skip step and then anchor. It seems like he got rocked back uh, semi-frequently. And I, re- and I really like that pick. I really like Jonathan Martin. I feel like I'm probably the biggest fan of Jonathan Martin of anyone on the site. So, I, I don't know. There's there's so many. Like you said, there's a lot of options. The corners, I it'll be interesting because we don't know uh, which corners tops on them. On our board, that's true. For all we know, for all we know, Jeff Ireland's number one rated corner is Desmond Trufant, or you know maybe his top rated corner is one of the guys from UConn. You know, like Ray Wilson, or maybe maybe he's real high on play. You know what? Maybe he likes Jonathan Banks, and we don't even know something crazy like that. You know, I really that's want true. Jonathan Banks just because I want people to screw up his name every single time they type it. You just want to call him Jonathan. Jonathan. Is that Jonathan? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the funny you see, I'm not. A lot of people keep talking about how Banks is a prototypical zone, zone corner. I'm not exactly there in terms of that mindset because I feel like that he he lacks some of the short area bursts I like to see out of guys who work in zone sets. I think that uh, he's definitely got the length and the and uh, the upper body strength to to funnel guys in. I think that uh, he looks comfortable passing guys off in zone, which is, is important. And it feels it looks like he he attacks guys who come into his zone, which is something that you don't really see out of uh, uh, out of every defensive back who works in that scheme. Brent Grimes is a guy who's very uh, aggressive. I mean, guys enter his zone, he's right on them. You know, he 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 meets them uh, at at the entry point as opposed to letting guys come to him. And that doesn't sound like much, but that's important. And then when you have the athleticism to beat those guys, that's when you're making plays. So I don't know if I've really seen that from Jonathan Banks enough to say like, oh yeah, he's a he's a fantastic cor- uh, zone corner fit. Uh, take a flyer on him early in the second. But I mean, yeah. it's something where we need to see, or I mean, we won't see, but we can only speculate. Uh, who are the number one guys on our board? I have a hard time looking past uh, Desmond Trufant. I think Duke's right on when he he continues to project that guy as a possibility for us at twelve because I think that. He's ab- Kevin Coyle uh, worked with Leon Hall in Cincinnati. And in my opinion, Desmond Trufant is Leon Hall 2.0. I agree. Almost identical skill set. Uh, I, you know, r- identical speed. I think, uh, I think Hall ran like a 4.38, 4.39. I mean, not that that's a really big deal, but the thing is, I mean, they have very similar wheels. 
uh, nearly identical skill set. Only difference is one guy went to Michigan, the other guy went to Washington. So I think he'll be an option too. But I like what, what you're saying with some of this stuff. I think that uh, uh, you have you at least uh, have a good idea of what you're looking for. I mean, the Trufant pick makes sense. I mean, I like Trufant. And, and the reason I think it, it's it's a solid pick is because he's the guy that, name, that the name pops up that you look at the 11 teams before the Dolphins and you really don't see Trufant fitting in. So you'd have to think, unless something crazy happens or Miami decides to move back, 12 pick 12 comes around. We need a pressing need. Our number one needs cornerback. You look at a guy like Desmond Trufant, who seems to be pro-ready. Um, he seems to be a guy that can fit in. He seems to have strength in zone scheme, which is probably the best bet. And you, he looks like a guy that can just fit in for Coyle. You know, he might not be the most talented player. He might be the 20th best college player. But if you really think about what we need and what we expect, you know, it makes sense. So, I mean... I'm on board with you guys as well. I think we can go all three, and if twelve pick twelve comes around, we take Desmond Trufant, and everyone's you know complaining because Mel Kiper had him twenty third, and they're saying you know the Dolphins are going to finish fourth in the AFC East. I'm so happy about it. I'm not worried about it. But at the same time, the more and more time goes by, and the more and more I see these these moves pop up, it just I have a feeling that a something is going to kind of just Maybe not the first round, but something's going to be out of the ordinary where something just blindsides us where we don't expect it. And B, I think that the guy will fall that we really will not expect to fall. Whether it's uh, you know, the defensive tackle star, I'm not going to butcher his last name, but or Jarvis Jones or a guy like even D. Milliner. You look like possibilities of a quarterback's running or defensive ends or pass rushers running, you know. These guys can fall. So these are, you know, things that Ireland is obviously going to sit down starting tomorrow, I believe I read, for 21 straight days and think about the possibilities. But, you know, I think Trufant makes sense. I'd be happy with Trufant. I think it's a, our number one need is cornerback, um, and he can fit in there. And especially if we go after a guy like Grimes, I think that combo is money as long as Grimes can stay healthy. Um, but at the same time, you just have this sneaky suspicion that, with the Dolphins' new image, they're going to surprise some people in April. So that's all I was saying. I think I think that's probably a good possibility. I think the Dolphins, the Dolphins obviously this year is the rebranding of the franchise and not just by changing the logo. I think everything everything starts new this year. And granted. Philbin's been here for a year, and Tannehill's been here for a year, but really that was like the negative one year of the team. And we will we're, – we're a whole new team, obviously, from free agency. We're going to do some things in the draft that I don't think anybody's going to be able to predict. Uh, it may not be the, with the 12 spot, but when we hit the second round and the third round with all those multiple picks, I think you could see the team suddenly do something that nobody – predicted and it will it will I, I think their goal is to one excite the fan base and two 
change this team rapidly so that way when we hit the field in September, it's not just a new logo. It's a whole new team, and we're out there competing, and we're trying to – right, it's a whole new culture, and we're trying to get in there for the AFC East title. Uh, I think that if they could, I think they would make the stadium upgrades happen right now too. But obviously, if it does get approved, that won't happen until 2015. Will be when those are completed. But yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. I think that a whole new culture is coming, and the team is trying to do that all in one off season. There you have it <laughs> from God himself. <laughs> but, well, Brian, thank you for calling in. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, yeah, I'll good be night. keeping my keeping my eyes open for some dolphin news. And uh, if you guys are flipping out over the logo, just step back from the ledge. In a month from now, you won't even realize it, but you'll be buying all the jerseys. So <laughs> it'll be fine as long as we're winning. Uh, I think we'll all be happy. So yep, winning winning is the cure for everything. As cures everything. Tiger Woods said it in the new that's Nike what, commercial. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of, too. <laughs> All right, guys, take it easy. Night. Night. I don't know where to go now. <laughs> what do you guys have on your mind? I'm, I'm well, the, look the, uh, looks like the Bulls are about to beat the Heat, if anybody's interested I, in that. I bet uh, I was, Keith is. I was watching that. It's uh, 89-81 with just over four to go. And, uh, yeah, Bulls are shooting free throws, so that's good. Unless you're a Miami Heat fan, I guess. Maybe it's not good. Descartes, by the way, uh, Duke. (laughs) I'm scrolling right now. I think, therefore, I am. Duke said bonus points if you can name who made that quote. Oh, yes. James, you already answered it. I see it now. Yeah, a long time ago. I I was up higher on the thread. I'm just scrolling down. But but you remember what Ricky Bobby said about being in second place. It's okay. Well, you know his dad doesn't remember saying that, and it makes no sense because you could be in second, you could be in third, you can be fourth, you could even be in fifth. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow these shows always end up in movie quotes. Every single episode. Movies. It's true. I was just watching the, the Big Lebowski the other day. I forgot how many quotes are in that movie. That is a great quotable movie. Oh, I may have to watch that one again now that you brought it up. Yeah, Smokey, <laughs> this isn't Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. <laughs> the the greatest quote of all time, and John Darlington loves to use it, is, "Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor?" Remember, like, he looked at him, though, and he's like, he's rolling. Every every time Jeff Darlington uses that, Twitter blows up of people correcting him that it was the Japanese, and I love it. It's so funny. Uh, and and I love it when he, he waits, like, ten minutes, and then he just starts retweeting all the, the replies. But, okay. Oh, it's um, almost like an idiot tramp. Yes, it is, absolutely. <laughs> but now people are sitting here going, what are they talking about? Uh, I hope not. You know there are. There are people that are that, that have no idea why we're talking about the Germans bombing Pearl Harbor. 
Well, they probably think they're ridiculous for all the the Wayne's World quotes, and they're like, "What is this movie?" <laughs> Ending the show with a Wayne's World quote every time. Flagrant foul. For who? Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Chicago's being really physical with uh, LeBron James. I mean, they're just they're tackling him. Nice. Yeah, we can see works. if he can play if we can play tight end. I'm sure the Bulls will blow that game. Actually, I mean, it's, that just feels like another one where you think like the Heat are going to lose, and then they just come back and win in the end. Ninety to eighty-one. He missed the, the free throw, the first free throw. So ninety eighty-one with four oh two to go. Yeah, that's plenty of time for that team. And. Did you say and? Yeah. And. I love, I absolutely love, it's one of my favorite things about basketball, is the L Heat. L Bulls. L. <laughs> we don't We don't actually change the team name. Oh, LeBron's going to get called for that one. Wow, LeBron just tried to lower his shoulder and run through someone. I didn't see who it was, but... Oh, uh, Boozer. Isn't it Boozer? They get a little <laughs> frustrated, maybe. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, they, they're using the old, the old uh, hack a shack on on they are. and it's and it's working. He's losing it. But I love the. We're not going to actually change the name of the team to Spanish. We're just going to throw L in front of it, and <laughs> that makes it okay. They did the here. They did the, They did the Los Mavs. That's what all their their jerseys were. Yeah, Los Mavs. Los Mavs. <laughs> what? I just it it's the funniest thing I think. Uh, we're we're going to um, work on our foundation with Hispanic speaking or Spanish speaking Hispanic fans, and we're going to do it by throwing the word L or Los like it's Los Bulls tonight. Really? That that I mean, could we do anything more Spanglish than that? <laughs> okay. So there's our basketball minute. We are good at throwing in the basketball minute. Are they gonna show this this play a hundred times? I think they might be. Apparently all, all my my whole Twitter just went off on Oh, wait, there's one. Well, there's the tax money. Miami Marlins team value rises 16% to $520 million. Well, that's good. The Marlins are worth $520 million now. So they can start paying back some of what they took. Is that okay? What they stole. But, I mean, the Dolphins have said they'll pay back $120 million. Yeah, but Norman Brayman has a problem with that. <laughs> and uh, Mike D., on I think it was on the Finsiders, but on some radio public forum today, said uh, flat out once again that Brahmin is irrelevant. I love yeah, I've, it. Ne- I've never I've never seen somebody in like D's position take get into other than other than when uh, when Cuban and what's his name get into it. Short of that, I don't you don't usually see people go at it like that on Twitter. But it was, 
you guys don't know what um what we're talking about, uh, it's in the third slot on the Finsider right now. Mike D basically put out there that you know what the voters need to decide, not the former owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, over whether or not the Dolphins get public funding. And, I mean, the Dolphins have put out all kinds of concessions, including the fact that they're willing to pay $120 million back when the 30-year sales tax rebate ends. So I I think it's funny, though. I I think you're right. I haven't seen – I mean, especially Mike D., who's always smiling and saying the right things. It was – it was to the point what he said on Twitter last night. So it was nice. I'm sure he's not always a happy person, but he does a good job of being. Of, yeah, I can see somebody objecting to the financing in some way, but I, I think that the way Norman Bremer was going about it, he was out of line. And Mike Dean just called him on it. Yep. And he, I mean, it goes back to every business gets a tax break. That's why they go to that state. I right. mean, it, it, every every state has tax breaks for businesses, which is why the business cho- chooses to go there. That's why you're seeing as states say that they're going to start having tighter gun controls or start taxing guns or whatever, you're seeing gun makers say, well, we'll just move to Texas or we'll move to somewhere else that doesn't have these laws. That's the same thing that happens with taxes. That's why New York is trying hard to get a tax impl- or a tax break in place so that NBC will bring The Tonight Show back to New York. I mean, it, everywhere does that. So the fact that Norman has gotten tax breaks to have his car dealerships, that's irrelevant. Or he's gotten money. I don't know exactly what it is. I mean, I will say allegedly got all that because of what D said. I don't know what kind of money he's actually gotten. But I would assume that there are tax breaks in there because otherwise, why would he have car dealerships in Florida and Colorado? I mean, especially well, he, asked when, for a lot, he, he asked for a lot more money to build the stadium when he was the Eagles owner than, yeah, the, he, than the Dolphins are asking for now. And that's, that's where D is calling him called him on hypocrisy yeah. too because that is hypocritical. You know, he didn't I don't think he got what he asked for, but that's really beside the point. He asked for it. Yep. So now he's up here saying that asking for it is billionaires asking for handouts, yet he is a billionaire that has asked for handouts, if that's his definition. So I think that he's, he's bitter because I did he not sell because he didn't get the deal he wanted? Isn't that the reason I, he sold? I think that's why he did. Yeah, I think it was. He sold in '94, I think, somewhere around there. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's part of why it is. But um, it just—he's got an axe to grind. He does, and he said that he's going to fight the Marlins all the way up to the Supreme Court to make sure that they don't get public funding for their stadium, and yet. There's a stadium sitting there, I'm pretty sure. The Marlins the, the the Miami Marlins of last year played somewhere, whatever this team is, the minor league team for the Blue Jays or whatever they actually are, is playing somewhere this year, so I think that there's a stadium there. So apparently his fight to the Supreme Court didn't last very long. Could at least stop that ugly uh thing out in center field if he was gonna do something important. I think that was just the Marlins at some point going, you know what? 
we uh we got all this money and pretty much screwed you so here's here's the monument to that <laughs> but that's just me um, that thing is hideous still I don't understand that thing at all I get but, it. so there's our baseball minute <laughs> um we can go to soccer the u s got its Second point ever yesterday by tying Mexico in Azteca, which is amazing. It's freaking 8,000 foot high altitude, full of smog, playing with the fans on top of the field. That's a good good point that the Dol- or the Dolphins that the U.S. team got. So I liked it. But the United Center is rocking for Los Bulls. Sports Center just tweeted that out. They're uh, the Bulls are out there scrapping, man. <laughs> uh, um, apparently, Move the Sticks says that Matt Barkley to the Jaguars makes the most sense. Anybody want to see Matt Barkley go to the Jaguars? Yeah, okay. I don't think that's the best fit. <laughs> Um, I think the best fit for Barkley is to uh, go to Arizona where he can get nine games in a dome a season. I think uh, I think that they'd be scared to take a USC quarterback, don't you? Who's that? The the Cardinals. I don't think that they want. Well, to I think I think Barkley's gonna been burnt there he's before. The interview section, so. Well, that's the difference between him and Liner. Liner was. No, he didn't give a crap. Barkley's actually got good character, so... Does Barkley know... Spider-2 will do that. If he doesn't know Spider-2-Y Banana, you know John Gruden won't like him. But then again, John Gruden loves everybody. So... (sighs) Keith. Keith, where are you? Oh, we lost we just, Keith. Yeah, we we no longer have Keith on the line. Uh, I was going to say he's being really quiet, but that would probably be why. He probably I, got excited about this this Bulls game. Off. I did. I think I think somewhere in the baseball talk he probably uh, gave up. Um, <laughs> he, he, he's a baseball fan. He, he enjoys a good baseball discussion. <laughs> this. Things start. I really hope so. Oh, Duke or uh, Duke Huskers talking about uh, the August fourth Hall of Fame game. So that's my uh, brother's birthday present. Not going to it, just the fact that there is it. I've decided. I'm taking credit for and got that set up. <laughs> but what, how much time do we have left in the show? Oh, we still have an hour left on the show. Now, yeah, fifty minutes. That's nice. I thought we were going to talk about NASCAR. Yeah, we don't have a NASCAR update yet. So, uh, Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano don't seem to like each other. Um, no, and um, yeah, Denny Hamlin's got a compressed L1 fracture in his back. Yeah, and can miss. It, it, it's going to take six weeks of recovery 
and no surgery, but if he misses six races, that pretty much ends his season or at least a chance yeah. for a championship. And from what I've read, Joey Logano is not a favorite in the garage, so um, I will be surprised if that dude finishes finishes a lot of races this year. He's probably going to end up with more scrap metal than anything else. Have you said anything about who's going to fill in his car yet? In Hamlin's car? Um, uh, Marty Smith was tweeting about it, and he seems to think that Elliot Sadler would be the would be the guy that would fill in. They thought maybe Brian bad. Vickers, but Brian Vickers does a lot of driving for uh, Michael yeah. Walsh Racing, so I think he, Vickers uh, would he's make... going to be in Martinsville driving for Michael Walter. So yeah, I think I it was think... either I think it was. Um, there's some guys down there like um, like um, like Sadler or maybe Hornish or um, Regan Smith. There's some guys like that that they might get down, might could bring up. I think Vickers, good drivers that would feel in good. I think Vickers would make the most sense if it was going to be like for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because he does have a good deal with Michael Walter Bracing. So okay, so there's our NASCAR minute, uh, which. By the way, to go back real quick into the NASCAR realm again, I still don't understand why there are racetracks that don't have safer barriers over the entire track. Because it always seems like if there is a spot on the wall that does not have a safer barrier on it, a car is going to find it. And that's exactly what happened. Denny Hamlin's car found the part of the wall that didn't have the safer barrier, and sure enough, now he has a broken back because of it. Okay, before we go further, we'll explain to the non-NASCAR viewing or non-racing <laughs> viewing members what safer barriers. Safer barrier was a um, type of um, wall that, walls at racetrack. It was actually designed for the IndyCar series, and what it is is it is a an aluminum. It is basically an aluminum wall that has foam padding that separates it from the concrete wall of the track, so that when a vehicle impacts the wall, the wall gives in. And absorbs the impact. Um, the wall that Denny Hamlin hit, if, 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 you're, if anybody even cares, you watch the replay, or if you watch um, the big one, the big one, Dale Earnhardt wrecked it. Um, Daytona and got killed. The wall is just a concrete wall, so when he hit the wall, the car translates all that energy to the driver and they absorb all that impact. The safer barrier gives way, kind of like. Um, Think of it more as, as like a, 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 a tightrope walker falling and hitting the ground as opposed to a tightrope walker falling and hitting a net. The net gives and absorbs some of the, absorbs some of that energy. So that's what that wall is. I was actually reading a tweet from Marty Smith about it, and he was they were talking with um, one of the head guys at NASCAR, and he said, actually the safer barrier people um, go around, and they are the ones who dictate to the tracks where they should have safer barriers and uh, not have safer barriers. So NASCAR doesn't really have a NASCAR doesn't really have a say in really. I don't want to say doesn't have a say. They don't they don't control where right. they can put that out. Basically, it's between the makers of safe barrier and and uh, the racetrack owners. Hmm. So um, it's it, it's going to take I think something like this. Specifically because Hamlin is more of a high-profile driver and he drives for a high-profile organization, um, I doubt very seriously that we're going to see um, tracks anymore without safer barrier anywhere on it. Yep. Uh, so 
except maybe pit road. But you know, normally they're not driving down pit road yeah. um, that fast, or they and they have time to at least slow down before they get there. So, hey, uh, I like for real quick, pretty quickly. Real quick on the uh, basketball minute, the Bulls lead ninety-eight eighty-nine with thirty seconds to play. So it looks like the heat streak is over. Um, so okay, so there's our NASCAR minute. Oh, and to go back to. Uh, explaining how the safer barrier works. The best thing I can tell you is if you've ever done the egg tosses or water balloon tosses between two people, if you just hold out your hands and let it hit your hands, the egg or the water balloon breaks. But if you drop your hands with it and cradle the water balloon in, the water balloon doesn't break. That's what it does. So, okay. Um, And now to get James back into the show. Hey, James. Um, yeah, what, what's going on? There's there's dolphin stuff. <laughs> I did. I, I'm not gonna lie. I tuned out pretty heavily. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, I think that the the um, the heat streak. It's 98.89 with 30.2 seconds left. I think the heat streak was jinxed from the beginning because a lot of people started talking about them beating the record back when they had like 15 wins in a row. It was like, seriously, you're going to try to claim that they're going to break the record at 15 when the record's 33 or whatever it is, 34, something like that. So it was like, yeah, um, I, I understand that they're a great team and that they do have some games against like Charlotte on the schedule. But that's like saying that somebody's going to break DiMaggio's hit streak when they're at, like, 12. It behooves them that they play in the East. but It does. You know. But. That streak would be a lot harder if they, they play in the West. It's funny watching Twitter right now. It's funny how many Heat fans are now sarcastically posting about how bad the Heat are. Because they know that all the Heat haters are immediately, excuse me, going to start coming out and talking about how the team sucks because they lost to the Bulls after 27 straight wins. I mean, but okay. Uh, the Heat um, created their own hate. The Heat is a team that created the whole hatred, their own hatred. I mean, they are. It's ridiculous, but it was they manufactured that, so it is what it is. Cue the, cue the, Trey Wingo, cue the, what's wrong with the heat talk in three, two, one. <laughs> oh, well, they, I mean, something wrong with them. They're still probably the best team in basketball, but. They are. Except for the Spurs. <laughs> the Spurs are the only team that I think have a legitimate shot at taking them out, but we'll see. And you know I'm not a fan of the Spurs. I know. But I, but I will root for them this year if they're in the finals. <laughs> Kenny Maine, Mercury Morris, popping champagne, realizes Dolphins and Heat are both from Miami, stops himself short of celebrating. Yes. <laughs> but, well, since obviously we seem to be done with the Dolphins talk for the night, and I think we've talked – oh, Omar Kelly's tweeting. I thought he retired from Twitter. 
What about what about the uh, the uh, the Hurricanes? I guess they're gonna slap down on the uh, NCAA on Friday and demand that uh, everything be uh, dropped against the team, all charges. No comment. Uh, I I was reading at the same time. Um, I really haven't been, other than the initial complaints against the Heat or against the Hurricanes, I mean, I really haven't cared because at some point when the NCAA came out and went, uh, we did things wrong, but you're still punished, I went, okay, this is stupid now. But the problem is, is when the NCAA came out, weeks ago or three weeks ago, whenever that was, and said, okay, we have to throw out this first half of the investigation because we admit that the guy that we had, that we've since fired, you know, he was he was basically paying these lawyers under the tape. Basically, everything they did was unethical and probably illegal. And the only person's word that they had on any of that stuff was Shapiro, who's a convicted felon. And so they said, but we fired him and it's all good. Well, now it comes out that the girl that took over for him just continue doing the same exact thing. And that basically everything that they have against Miami is only is via Shapiro's word with nobody to collaborate in any of it. Nobody. Right. So they have nothing. There's no case. And yet they continue to go to, to to go on like you know, like there is. So those those are the grounds which you know, which they're gonna they're gonna demand that it's dropped. So we'll see we'll see where that goes. But uh, Miami's already said that they'll they'll see the NCAA in court if uh, if it's not handled correctly. So this will probably get interesting or ugly or both. And it's final one hundred one ninety seven. Chicago beats Miami. All right. Now Twitter will blow up with. God knows what. <laughs> but okay, well. Since we really have completely lost all Dolphins talk tonight, I'll go ahead and say uh, good show, guys. Thanks for calling in. Dolphin fan for life. Uh, Be serious. Thank you guys for calling in. And uh, we'll be back Friday night with our Google Hangout. So see you all then. Night, guys. Good night. Good night. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? <laughs> and why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.